Fishing Stories is brought to you by Rep Your Water. For those of you who don't know, we are the co-founders of Rep Your Water, a design-driven apparel company dedicated to providing high-quality gear for anglers everywhere. My current favorite piece in the line is our retro camo merino blend sun hoodie. It breathes incredibly well, blocks the sun on hot days, and is also a perfect base layer. And you drew the camo pattern yourself, which makes it even more unique. Ah, that's right. <laughs> I'm always going to pick our merino socks as my favorite. We have a nice variety of options for styles, and they are excellent for all seasons. Check out the full collection at www.repyourwater.com. I'm Garrison Doctor. And I'm Corinne Doctor. And this is Fishing Stories. And today we are joined by our friend Josh Mills, who has volunteered for the Wild Steelhead Coalition and... For his real job, he works for backcountry hunters and anglers. He loves steelhead. A lot. And loves steelhead fishing and steelhead flies. The flies is a critical piece. You'll get a feel for it. He's got some good stories. Yeah. So let's go take a listen to Josh. Josh, are you there? I'm here. Welcome to the podcast. So good to have you. Oh, man. I, I, I'm so excited to, to be here. Uh, I've loved working with you guys over the years. And it's it's it's, it's just like friends chatting it up. Love it. That's I know. It. I'm pretty excited because I do know that you've gotten yourself into a, a good time now and again, especially when it comes to fishing. No idea. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have I have zero. I, I have no idea. None. Zero. Mm -mm. Okay. Like we can reference from personal experience that usually when we hang out with this guy, it's a great time. It's a good time. I mean, and we haven't even gotten to fish with him, which is ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. Well, you guys are all globetrotting anglers. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, you know, I occasionally get out of the country, but for the most part, most of my fishing stories uh, sit here in the uh, good old U.S. of A. That's good, too. Well, tell everybody a little bit about who the, who you are if they don't know. Absolutely. Uh, Josh Mills, live in Spokane, Washington, born and raised, hunted and fished my whole life, uh, fell down the rabbit hole of fly fishing when I was about 19. And uh, it's a rabbit hole that is dark cavernous and never ending so it's one of those things where i i that's all i want to do is uh, with the occasion bird hunting and, and things like that but for the most part uh it's where my heart lies um i can find my joy very quickly with a fly rod in hand especially two-handed spay casting uh got into conservation work i've uh, been on the wild steelhead coalition board for the better half of nine years now and then uh addition oh no god 10 years now um, and then uh, started working for backcountry hunters and anglers two years ago uh, in corporate partnerships and just love uh, being a part of the world that you guys inhabit. And, and, and I love to tie flies and shoot the, can I, can I swear? Is that okay? Please yeah. do. Yeah. We're, I love to shoot the shit. I, I think I was born and bred to be a talker. So if anybody knows anybody about me, I'm loud. I'm a big 12 year old at all times. So and if you're not excited, you're not invited. Big. Like also <laughs> fairly physically imposing and do not challenge him to chug a beer. Contest. Never lost. Never going to lose. Yeah. No, you will lose. Yeah. <laughs> Only Garrison. You're, you're, you're one of two that have almost beat me. <laughs> I don't think it was yeah, maybe, even close. <laughs> maybe within three seconds. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, you mentioned the fly tying too, because as a fellow tire, while well, I love watching you spin up a bug and, now fellow signature tire for Umqua Feather Merchants, which is exciting. Yeah, it's it's funny. Um, I was talking to a, another one of our signature tires, Andrew Grillos, um, and I remember I used to always send pictures because I'm I'm pretty centered in on steelhead fly tying, and then 
don't ask me to tie a drives because they just get frustrated. But uh, but for the most part, I can you know get ha- handle a vice pretty well. But I remember sending pictures to uh, kind of these guys who were my mentors, and Andrew Grillos was definitely one of those. And I remember they would always be like, "Oh, that's cute, nice, uh, good, good, yay for you." You're like, you're like you technically tied a fly. You're like, oh, and I, and you know, it's funny. I, I have a board over here in my behind me is my fly tying area right there, and um, and I look at and I look at some of my old flies, and it, it's humbling, and it makes you realize, you know, um, and so much of it is time with the vice, experience with the materials, making sure that. You're, um, you know, pushing yourself a little bit here and there, but I, I felt very honored to be accepted in the Umqua family and, uh, and, uh, just, I absolutely love it. And I've got some more patterns to send in here fairly soon, but yeah, it's every day. Just got to keep the creative wheels turning. I know you will. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Well, being as this is not a fly tying podcast. Somehow you sneak it into every single episode. That's true. Uh, there will be a bird watching reference at some point. My wife too. just keeps telling me she because what happens in the last couple of years? Nice people have died, uh, uh, you, you know, friends or whatever. It's like Uncle Phil died. Do you want his fly tying collection? Yes, yes, I do. Thank you. And somebody will show up at my house with bins, and my wife's like, "Don't you? You probably already." don't you already have all this stuff? And I'm like, yes, I know. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do. Yeah. And, and I'll take all of it. Thank you very much. Gold. That's it. <laughs> you know, I don't want to profit from anyone's death, but you know, I've, I've done hey, pretty well. Rather it be put to use though, you know? Yeah, I mean, at least it's going to, rather. It's, it's, it's going to a good home as well. We're honoring Uncle Phil. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't even know Uncle Phil. The proverbial Uncle Phil. That's right. <laughs> well, on a fishing note, we're here to... Well, hear a good fishing story, and we know you have a few, so uh, we're going to give you the platform here, buddy. You know, a lot of it centers around uh, the hijinks that happen steelhead fishing, right? Because so much of the fact that you have a lot of time, uh, you're you're sitting there flogging the water away, trying to catch it in the most uh, ineffective manner. I mean, if we really want to go get them, like there's a lot easier ways than a swung fly and a dry line, right? And I can just think about so many hijinks that have happened you know, I spent a lot of my time in the Lewiston-Clarkston region down in that LC Valley. So we're fishing like the Clearwater, the Snake, the Grand Ron, the Amnaha, and places like that. It lends itself towards uh, tomfoolery a little bit. One of the funnier ones was um, we spent a lot of time uh, early season, let's say, uh, fish start to show up uh, in the Clearwater, the lower Clearwater, usually the end of July or August. And I'm with a couple of buddies, one, Jonathan Stump, and uh, Rich Sims from the Wild Steelhead Coalition, and and we're fishing in the area that is affectionately known as the Stink Hole because it's directly across uh, the river from, <clears throat> excuse me, the uh, the Lewiston Paper Plant, which smells beautifully. And it's just because you're staring at these giant smokestacks and everything like, oh, this is gorgeous. This is so pretty. But the water is phenomenal. And I was thinking about this time that I was I was sitting there and um, I watched the guy I watched the guy land a nice fish. Uh, down the beach and uh, cool. There's some fish around, you know, there's there's some things happening. And then uh, directly across from me, Rich and, and, and uh, Jonathan are standing there and I'm fishing this, this uh, Island and I make a cast and, and this is a short and sweet story, but it's, it just tells you the, some of the funnier things that happen all of a sudden, man, I'm tight. And this fish is screaming and everybody's yeah, all right. This is awesome. And, um, and it just, and, and it's just burning me. Like I'm going, holy crap, I've got a big B run. This might be a 20 pounder or something like that, which the river is known for. 
Well, uh, right about that point, it starts to slow down. Like the run is starting to slow down. And all of a sudden, I see a, a beaver's head poke up out of the water, kind of in oh, line. No. And, and if you think about how a fish swims laterally, like, you know, it's back and forth. Well, a beaver swims like up and down, but a little more north to south instead of east to west. And I will tell you, a 20-pound or a 25-pound beaver outswims a 20-pound steelhead very much because I thought I had a freaking world record steelhead on. And and, and like the unholy matrimony of a hair-winged steelhead fly to the back of a beaver, it, it's like a, it's like a one-in-a-million shot, like the Seinfeld episode where um, if, you, if, you, if you're a Seinfeld fan where George's dad lands on a some uh, a sculpture of of um, what was that uh, pasta in an inconspicuous place uh it's like how did this even happen right i mean it's like it's not like the, it's not like the beaver like you know ate the fly it the, my friends fell on the ground laughing and they're like what are you gonna do and i'm like just turned around put the rod open back of my shoulder clamped on and broke that son of a gun off because there's i ain't dealing with an angry rodent who has uh, a bit of, thankfully it's debarbed and hopefully it fell out. And we didn't have an issue, but it, the, you know, those kind of stories are just very emblematic of, of those kind of things like that. So, I mean, you know, the hijinks that we tend to have are, are just fantastic. I so, bet a foul hooked beaver does rip some pretty good line. Yeah. It's uh, it, it, you just, you think you got it. Like you've, you've been <laughs> fishing for two days without a grab and all of a sudden, and you're like, fuck. Rodent, <laughs> a very trees. big rodent. Very uh, rodent. Well, your buddy Garrison here can relate to the foul hooked non-target species. He hooked a couple of rays the last time. What we were fishing? Yeah, we were recently in the Seychelles, as you know. We'll of course tell some stories on the podcast about that on a specific sure. episode. Sure, but your buddy here. Yeah, well, I, we were fishing with this whole school of bonefish. They were on this huge thorntail ray because these thorntails of like just like sit and root around in the sand, you know, and the bonefish love it, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. They pick up all the little crabs and shrimp and whatever. Absolutely. Like, duty, just yeah. snark, snark, and, but snark. I'm like, you can't see. It was like, it was in this funny little cut and it was all kind of off color and it was cloudy. So you couldn't see the bonefish, but you knew they were around this thing. So I'm stripping this little fly and I see the ray like he it looks like he turns onto the fly. And I'm like, I'm asking the guy, I'm like, do the rays ever eat bonefish flies right as I watch the ray just like stomp right on top of it and eat it? And I was like, oh, boy, this is not good. (laughs) That was a break off opportunity. Yeah, because this thing was like three feet across and they're like thick, like probably 100 pounds or something like that. I mean, I don't know. But I didn't want to find out. You definitely don't want to deal with a stingray. Handle an angry. <laughs> Luckily, I think it was a thorntail. But I mean, stingtail or thorntail, either way, I'm not in. You fouled a stingray too, right in the I tail. Did. Yeah, yeah. that wasn't the best. Oh There's God! And and, and, was, and and you know, there's been a lot of times, you know, and and another another one that comes to mind. Uh, every year, my friends and I we get together. You have a pretty good steelhead camp down there on the Lower Grand Ron. This one, the numbers were a little better, and we had more fish in the system. And this is probably about 2015. And everybody's catching fish, and I cannot buy one, and I cannot buy one whatsoever. And I'm just beside myself. And you know, I'm watching old guys that are not part of our crew pile drive. 30 foot casts and come tight. And I'm just like, I'm just, I'm just, it's my turn to just wear it. Right. And it, we're going on four days and people are like, Oh, how many did you catch day three? How many did you get two? You know, whatever. I'm just like, I need to, 
freaking grab. I'm like just beside myself. So second to last day. Um, so where the Grand Ron terminates with the snake, there's great swing water um, uh, for, for miles and miles and miles on the snake. So we go out to this place called, we call the gauge hole. And uh, my dad's with me and uh, I'm swinging through the bucket. And all of a sudden I hook this fish and it takes off on me and everything's great. But then I, I literally feel it wrap around a giant boulder. And I can't, I can't, I, I can't do anything. I'm hitting the butt end. I'm doing all the tricks to try. I'm dead throwing line. I'm doing everything I can. And finally it breaks off. And like a sign from the universe out of nowhere, I start seeing bubbles coming up in front of me in, out of this trench that's maybe 10 feet off the beach. And uh, I see these, just this giant bubble trail coming up through the water. And all of a sudden I see this white nose and I'm like, what's the, Chin what is, you know, there's some Chinook in the air. I'm like, why is there a big Chinook jumping around? No, it was an eight foot sturgeon that came up and just goes whack right on top of the water, right in front of me. Like it was a big gigantic. <laughs> and you're just like, you just want to go crawl in a hole. Oh, or, at least oh you're God. moving from furred animals in the river to scaled animals. In the river. That yeah. could have been an opportunity for a sturgeon on the fly, man. I mean, that thing was in tight. That would have been freaking epic. It was only a 300 pound sturgeon, you know, yeah, I probably, I probably would have been aced on my seven wood spay rod at, at that point. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, and it, it's a lot of, like I was saying, a lot of the things that, you know, uh, transpire with my pops, but I was thinking about, you know, the trials and tribulations of learning how to spay cast and learning how to, you know, you don't know what you're doing when you pick everything. You can feel real pat your tummy and rub your head kind of feel. You don't know what's going on or whatever. And so 2009 was the year that we picked up the two-handed rods, my dad and I, and we had been, you know, nymphing and single-handed stuff for years and kind of figured out, okay, this is amazing. Like this forever. This is what, this is what I really love. So we're fishing the, we're fishing the Grand Ron around the Bogans area. I just remember like the temperature, like we had a two days swing of the water and the air temperature just drastically dropping. And we were running you know, full dry line, you know, no sink tips, you know, on the top, everything like that. And then I knew at that point, I was like, when that happens, it's time to take off. At the time, we didn't have Scandi lines, we had a Skagit line, and then we had a, a cheater uh, um, floating section to make it, to essentially kind of cobble what what would be a, a Scandi line together. But, uh, well, okay, so we take that, take the floating section on, put on the T8, and, and put on some bigger flies and get after it. I remember I was I was looking down at this run. I was watching my dad and he would like take one strip in, one strip in. And then he did this, like he started doing this like shadow casting looking kind of move. And it was like obvious, like he had, I'm like, what in the world is he doing? You know, and I couldn't figure out, you know, we called it the Faye Mills waggle because he'd be like, whoop, 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 whack. And he was making good casts, but still I'm like, I don't understand what he's doing. And so I, we go, I start inspecting it. Well, he had put the sink tip on top of the floating section. So he's got this monstrous, like 45 foot head that you, you couldn't act. I mean, you know, we didn't know very much about, about anything at those times. And I'm like, no, we got to take this off. My dad's a very proud man. He's a very good angler. He is, he, he's, he's one of those guys that if there's a fish available, he's going to catch it. Right. And he'd been catching fish in the way that he's been doing this, but all of a sudden he couldn't cast because he had removed 13 feet of his, of his, of his, of his head. And uh, all of a sudden 
he proceeded to snap off probably $50 in buggy whipping hit flies within like, like an hour. And I've never seen this man so far freaking frustrated. And so I go like, okay, dad, here's what we're going to do. Work with, we're going to work on the sweep and we're going to, you know, do all the things that we've been, you know, learning in the videos and everything like that. And I think I got him dialed and I'd walk 50 feet away from him or a hundred feet away from him and start swinging. Snap, snap. And like, it's the kind of snap that Hank Patterson would just be just, he would just, Yes, you got to snap it. Yeah, and yeah. thrilled. So this happens in a day that also, if you know the name Ed Ward, and he's kind of one of the like the pioneers of of, of sustained anchor casting with it. And try to go not too down the dork rabbit hole of spay casting here, but like you know, he's like the god, right? And so uh, we have our first little drift boat and uh, I'm like, oh, there's Ed and his client. You know, I'm like, oh, this is awesome. You know, and and I remember him and his client were um, uh, down below us and I was like, okay, I'm gonna sneak below him and be real courteous. I'm gonna go on the inside and I proceed to hit every rock I could, I could hit. And he, Ed turns back to my dad and he goes, hey, old man, are you, are you paying for that ride down the river? And I just wanted to go again, another one of those crawl in the hole moments. <laughs> and I'm just like, Oh God, it's like, oh. it's like, you know, in the essence of the Michael Jordan of spay casting, right. Uh, you know, the Skagit master had just came out and I'm like, this is awesome. Right. And then I, and then I literally make myself a fool in front of him. So the, so the end point of this story, we get to one of the last good swing spots before we take out. And, and I'm like, dad, you need a rally chew. And at the time I don't do it anymore, but I would, I used to chew a little bit of Levi Garrett or lot, you know, that, you know, kind of loose leaf, like dad, you need a rally chew. And again, I don't do this anymore. So I'm cleaned up the old life on that one, but uh, you know, <laughs> and uh, you never know who, you know, my mom could be listening. I don't know. Hey, we got to try to minimize our vices as we get yeah. older. I get right. Right. older. I'm not get. getting them all out the door, but we're minimizing. Right. right. So we pull over and man, I worked with him and work with him and, 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 and he takes this little pinch of the, of the, of the tobacco leaf and he puts it in his lip, you know, he's, he's pretty cool with it. Right. You know, and, and I'm sitting there and I watch him gut it, like completely gut it. And I oh, like, no. and so I watch him turn green and that poor man. And he's, you know, at that time he was probably 72 or whatever, you know, whatever. And he's in great shape, but that man puked his, face off for a solid five minutes finally he recovers and and i'm like you all right so i go down below and my low hole is ass and then swing one and you've never seen a line of profanities because i hook up and land he's like i'm gonna break this fucking fish off he's just so fired up and so mad and like i'm just like oh my God. yeah 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 i felt pretty bad but you know yeah i mean i do feel like steelhead because they can be such unicorns and so hit or miss and so yeah. hard to find they bring out passion too right oh, yeah. because nothing is guaranteed and you know i distinctly remember in my early steelheading days you know one of the reasons why i chose to go to college out on the west coast was to do yeah. some steelheading you know growing right. colorado and wanted to like see a different kind of fish you know sure. and i just had my little single hand eight weight and Sure. I was like trying to pound it out on some of the coastal rivers sure. uh, for winter steelhead and just didn't know my ass from a hole in the ground. Right. And it's big. To me, it was huge. It's not actually big for steelhead water, but like 
there's a lot of depth. There's a lot of current, especially in the winter and it's yep. raining all yep. the time. And I was just yep. like, I don't really think they're stealing. <clears throat> like I'm just not buying it, you know, yeah. but yeah. I had just fished my face off in the freezing rain for like six hours. And I was just like done. I was over it. I was like, they're not in here. And this giant Chrome buck comes up and just does this big, like slow roll with like, almost like his eye came out of the water just to like, look at me and just like slow roll, like right in front of me. And yeah. I was just like, what? Like you've yeah. been there the whole time. Like, yeah. did I just see that? Am I hallucinating? Like what is happening? Like, <laughs> yeah. But steelhead will do that. I think they'll bring out the, though crazy because you can get so hot and cold or wonder oh. if they're there or not there or now here's the question are you calling josh's dad crazy for being mad at him or josh crazy for low holing his own father after making him well i am yeah. saying josh is definitely at fault here but i'm also <laughs> saying it's the steelhead's fault because if it was a species that you could catch a little more fucking readily it's he true. wouldn't have been that upset about it i've got a i've got a friend um that he he's one of the best um trout anglers that i know you know he'll sit on a rising fish for a half an hour just to solve the riddle and figure out what they're eating and why they're eating and all those things like that and he quit steel hating specifically on the fact that if you could he couldn't figure it out because there's no rhyme or reason to the whole damn thing, right? Is it blue? Is it purple? Is it neutral tones? Is it red? Is it, you know, is it depth? Is it whatever? And it turns out it's just like steel. People always ask me a lot of times, what's the best steelhead fly? I was like, well, here's the deal. They eat Berkeley bass power worm, pink worms, and they'll eat a full dress Atlantic salmon fly. So I don't know what the question is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fishing Stories is brought to you by Lock & Co. Whiskey. Distilled right here in Colorado and finished with hand-cut, charred Colorado Aspen Wood Discs, this whiskey is as unique as any trout stream. It has now won gold three times in the San Francisco World Spirits Competition. You'll want to grab a bottle for your bar at home or to take on your next adventure. Check it out at your local liquor store or at lockandcodedistilling.com. Lock is spelled with an E. You, you want to try to come at it from like the analytical trout perspective, right? You you're like, okay, this is the bug that's in the river that the trout are feeding on that we're trying to imitate. And to your point, right? You want to like solve the riddle. And it's like, no, we don't yeah. even really know what we're imitating here. Like yeah. something that looks sort of squiddy, maybe? Yeah, like we're hopping back to a squid item? I don't yeah, know. and that's why I think I like it so much because you can't figure it out. And that kind of speaks to my personality. I think my way through it, and it's just so much about confidence. It's so much about your ability to fish water well, just as much as if you're on the Colorado River and you feel good about what you're on the end of your line or whatever you're doing. If you're confident, you're going to catch fish. If you don't, when you're going through a bad streak, you're not going to, you're not going to get them. You know, I was, I was thinking about my buddy, Travis Bradford, who I work with at, at Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. The poor guy in 2018 went 12 days without a fish and he was trying to break his first um, you know, he's a good angler too, you know, and he's a very capable angler. He's very good at what he does. And I met up with him and our buddy, Nick English, who's a rep in the industry and Nick and I, poor guy, he, you know, Nick caught two that day. I didn't caught anything, but I'm just, I'm, I'm following him down, uh, what's known as, uh, the Turkey run on the lower grand run and, and Travis is below me and he's like, oh, oh, fish on. And he, and he hooks up, he, uh, lands this nice little a run hatchery fish. 
but I've never, he, the dude was like crying, like at the end of it, like, because there's so much emotional release that happens with that. And, and yeah. I, you know, I, I just, I was so happy to be a part of it. And, you know, and then later that day he catches this wild fish that I saw it rocket off the bottom on the snake, uh, out of 10 feet of water to take a hair wing off the, you know, the surface film, that joy that comes out of this risk reward scenario, I, I find so appealing. So I was going to harken back to the the fly tying stuff. And so one of them, my dad comes up and, you know, we're fishing the snake and this is in, you know, November, or whatever. He's like, he, we, we, we get our stuff out on the first run of the day. And he shows me this fly. He calls it his dancing lady, right? Because it's, it's, but if you know how in terms of fly construction, in terms of like a, your bigger intruder-ish slash leech slash, you know, your bigger kind of flies you put on when it's uh, colder out, you know, the water temperature's gone a little bit lower. So you're not getting fish to move up in the water column as much. And I, I look at this fly and I'm like, ugh, this is garbage, dad. This is, ugh, no. I, he goes, you want to try it? And I'm like, no, not at all. Because I spent all this time in fly construction. And I really, really dive into the, you know, how things are, you know, why and how. And, you know, and of course, it doesn't really effing matter as we as we discussed already. First run, boom, he catches two. And, I, and he's just like, ha ha, ha ha, pretty cool, huh? Pretty cool, huh? And I'm like, yeah. So to the fly in its essence, if you look at it, if you look at your bigger flies in two stations where a lot of times in the back, you're looking for that teardrop looking fly, right? So the front is a little more bulky, has more of a halo to the back where you're going to have a, another station of, you know, guinea or whatever. Well, he reversed it. You know, he basically put the small station up front and everything out the back. And I'm like, Dad, this thing looks terrible. You know, yeah, and I'm like... The aesthetics and proportions to anybody ugh. who's intruders you're just like yeah, this is no so the next run catches one next run catches run next one he's up to seven oh, no. and i haven't touched a thing oh he's uh, loving this. oh he's just giggling like a like a freaking 15 year old he's just laughing his face <laughs> and every time he catches one he's like you want one you want one and i'm like Fuck no, no, I do not want one of your garbage flies. And and so because I'm too proud at this point. Yeah. Well, he swings his eighth fish on the last run of the day, and we got like 20 minutes of light left. I'm like, give me one of those suckers. And you know, first cast, got fish. Oh no. <laughs> and then, you know, to to dovetail with that, we were over um at my friend's fly shop, Dave uh, McCoy at Emerald Water Anglers in West Seattle. We were over there and uh, we were talking with one of his guides and one of his employees names, Reed Curry and Reed uh, guided swing trips on the Olympic Peninsula for years. And, my, and Reed's like, well, I, I want some of those flies. And I'm like, oh, God, don't stoke his ego. Don't do it. And so my dad, we get home. My dad ties up a half dozen, sends them over to him. Week later, Reed calls me. He's like, um, "Would it be possible if I could get your dad to tie me two dozen of those now, and 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 about three different color palettes? It's the only fly that's really working on the Olympic Peninsula right now." And I'm just like, "Ah, god damn it!" You know. So I go over to my dad's house, and I mean, he's like, "What? What's going on, Josh?" And I'm like, "Well, uh, let's let's inflate your ego a little bit more here." And uh, and and he's like, ha, 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 ha. "You know, he just is." in his face off. I mean, I feel like I might need a couple in the arsenal just in case at this point. I still won't fish them. I to this day don't fish them because that, that sounds a lot like you, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> the same person. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's an apple and a tree in this in this story. You I mean, sold advertising for 25 years. I did for 17 years. Yeah. You know, it's like we're the same. Yeah, and I take that, you know, he's 
he's my roll dog, even at 82, he just got a ankle reconstruction because he wants to be able to, he wasn't be able to hike and bird hunt and stuff like he wants to. So he's on the disabled list, but he's, he's chomping at the bit to get out of his boot and to try to make it all work. This was two or three years ago. And I remember that year I'd really got into tying muddlers and in, during the spring, during the spring and summer in anticipation of when we'd start, you know, cause Spokane to Lewis since two hours and we drive that constantly and, and, and get down there and fish. So I'm like, have all these beautifully manicured, like razor blade, perfect headed muddlers. Like they were a little too much, right? They were a little too perfect. A little too so, clean. Yeah, super clean. And so we get to the first run of the year on the on the clear water at that aforementioned stink hole uh, across from the paper mill. And we're sitting there and, he, and I'm like, well, I'm going to put this hair wing on. And he pulls this muddler that he pulled out of his uh, fly box. And it looked, uh, the best way I can describe it is, af, is as if, a second grader with those colored safety scissors packed at it. And it was just all scruff and gross and everything. I'm like, oh, no, no way. No, that, that's awful. No. As age before beauty, I'm like, dad, you go first. And like second cast, he just gets stinking blasted by this fish. And um, and it just threw my whole program into, into chaos at that point. Because now I'm like, I'm not going to. And, you know, it, and truthfully, if you look back in a lot of the historical record and and people like Lee Spencer or uh, other people like that, the, the buggier, the grosser chopped, the more turbulence they're going to create. So, you know, I, I started doing that and started catching some more fish on muddlers. And, and fast forward to 2019, we go back to the same thing. And he pulls that same stinking fly that he didn't that that he caught that fish on. It was sitting in his visor deal. And he pulls it out. And he's like, ah, I should probably run this again. And I'm like, oh, God. And of course, he catches another fish within five minutes. It's just like, that's why oh, steelheading yeah. to me is so awesome because you can't figure it out. It, it's right. all those things that you're like, I'm going to do this and because of this and, and just throw that all shit in the air and just let it fall and that's just go right. fish. Hey, buggy is good right now. I will say I look up to your fly tying immensely. And I say this with the utmost compliment. Thank but you. I would not describe a lot of your ties as too clean. So I think you're doing okay now. I've changed my program. I'm okay, getting better. You had to you had to redirect. Redirect. He got out the safety scissors, threw away the really good ones. None of this like tungsten carbide stuff. No. Just, like, it doesn't have like a colored pink plastic handle on it. With a little glue stuck yeah, that's it. to it. Like that's what you need for yeah, your Yeah, I think they're made by Crayola. I like, need to go get some Crayola scissors or something like that. Because it's just like... You know, that's the joy that I love about our sport and, and what we end up doing. And another time, like we're fishing that same place and and I I skated up about a 15 pounder and it's going berserk and my reel, the clutch failed on the reel. So I couldn't like when the fish would go for a run, it would it, it wouldn't release any line. And I, this fish is the first fish of the year. And amongst my friends, it's always like who can get the first one after the July one opener? Who's got that bragging right? So I'm like, it's the first one of the year. It's like July 7th. I couldn't believe it. Like everything's happening. You know, I'm like, oh my God. And then the reel fails. And my dad just standing back there going, your reel's effed up. Your reel's <laughs> effed up. And I'm like, thanks. Thanks. Appreciate that, dad. Yeah. Yeah. I really, I didn't know that. And, and we landed the fish and everything was fine. But don't you love the helpful comments from the side? Garrison, Don't do that. Don't Garrison do this. For the oh, very yeah. helpful I am comments. really like even when I am legitimately trying to be helpful, I'm just like super excited, you know. So like Corinne right. has like a huge fish on. I just end up saying like super like obvious and inane things He's like, like keep it glued. Keep I'm it like, tight. It's obviously like what do you can. think I'm doing, dude? <laughs> right. Like 
<laughs> Come on. This year, this year, um, we're I was fishing with I was actually fishing with Russ, our, our buddy Russ Miller from Umqua. He came up and uh poor guy uh hadn't caught anything. And and then for some reason, the two times where I went first. Because uh, my whole goal was to get, you know, he's the out of, out of stater, you know, he, he grew up, he cut his teeth steelheading, living in the Pacific Northwest, but lives in Colorado now. So, you know, I'm like, I got to get Russ into the fish first. So I'm always going second uh, through the run. Well, twice he like, I don't know, maybe, maybe we, uh, I don't know, for whatever reason, he decided to take a break. The first time we were in this run on the snake and I absolutely got just drilled by a fish. And, and this fish dumped more line than I've ever seen a, a fish dump line on the snake. And it came off after, you know, more and, and like, I just couldn't control the fish. Right. And so, um, another time on the second day, we got about half a day left and Russ is like, I'm going to get the drone out and I'm going to take some pictures. And I'm like, you sure, dude, you know, you're good. You know? And, and so like, uh, I end up, you know, thankfully catch another, I hook up in another big fish. And right at that point, two of my other buddies come down the bank. And so now I got three of my buddies just in concert trying oh, yeah. to screw me up yeah the peanut gallery man oh it, and then it, our then i was just laughing because this we got three guys on the bank all big guys except for this one guy nick halley who's one of my good buddies out of missoula and he's got the steelhead bug bad but the guy is, is very small in stature he's like five eight and he's got these little hands so this 12 14 pound buck comes in and this poor little hands can't get it and of course then we're like you're gonna screw it up because he can't get his hand that fish is so big you can't get the hand around the tail the, the 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 tail of the fish because we're trying to tail it and he's just nipping at the thing like he's like a toddler and i'm like dude land it you know you know i got the guy next to me he's my size he's six eight giant hands you could probably you know grab it by the whole width of the fish meanwhile i've got the the smaller fella down there trying to get it it's just i mean steelhead and steelhead flies i think part of the beauty of it is like how you want to fish for them and the aesthetic and the aesthetic of the kind of quote unquote more traditionally inspired flies and i just you know we both love that one of my favorite stories from russ and he's he's going to have to retell this because I forget the names involved, but he was fishing with a very famous, like one of the godfathers, if you will, of Skagit casting and swinging for steelhead, you know, and conditions were perfect for like a kind of bigger, flashier fly in Russ's sure. mind, you know, and so he's like, oh, I got the thing, you know, he opens his box up to these nicely tied, you know, kind of big flashy items. The guy looks over and he's like, Russ tie on a fly you'd be proud to catch a fish on <laughs> and i just love that quote so i have adopted that one ever since he told it to me like somebody will show me a fly i'm like man tie on a fly you'd be proud to catch a fish on. Right, things like that right it's it's this tapestry we weave of 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 experiences and stories and everything that just it's just everything to me and, and you know that's why i work on so much to try to make sure that we have our fish there and you know try to advocate and work on the conservation piece because that is so important to me that we have this this culture we have this resource and we have this ability to enjoy our natural spaces we're right there with you and we appreciate everything that you do with wild steelhead coalition from a volunteer perspective and then of course bha who is a conservation partner of ours so yes as we, is the wild steelhead coalition well yes that's yes. true Yes. We very much appreciate you taking the time today to share a couple of laughs. That's always 
what we're in for. I'm here for, I'm here to, to I, I will make myself stupid at any time for a good laugh. I'm not, I'm not, I have no shame. Zero shame. Well, Corinne has a little bit of two-hander experience under her belt now. Might be ready. So we're going to have to get up there and, you know, get the double space and snap tees ripping. But it sounds like I want your dad to take me, not you. Yeah. You know, I, I, the last thing I'll leave you with is I should show you this picture of my father that in 2009 when we were, we were first getting after and we're learning our way through stuff and we're fishing the Grand Ron and I'm uh, around the corner from my dad out of visual sight and I hear this, ah, Josh, get over here. Ah, you know, he's just screaming, right? And I get back, I think he's like, I don't know. I just, I'm thinking the worst and I get over there and he's got a Max Canyon fully pierced through the lobe of his ear, right? Cause he set the anchor too close and I, and I just start laughing and I'm like, dude, he's like, get it out, get it out. And of course, hold on a second. Let me take a good picture here first. Because that's, <laughs> yeah, a little, absolutely. that's a little more important for yeah. this story at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a guy who's had a Mickey Finn firmly embedded in my eyelid, I can no. relate to a good face. Really? Facts. That's a story for another day. Story yes. for another day. <laughs> Lefty's still with us. I was a couple millimeters from being the eye patch guy there for a while. <laughs> Yeah. wonderful we well, still would have loved you yeah barely Allegedly. Right. <laughs> well josh we're gonna let you get back to your day we really appreciate you taking the time and telling us uh, a couple of fun stories yep josh mills on instagram check out the wild steelhead coalition yep at mills fly on the instagram yep. there you go and, yeah no uh, worries check out bha wonderful and uh in in the as a parting shot beavers and steelhead feel the same on a fly rod <laughs> Perfect.